You're listening to She's Got Drive podcast, the podcast that inspires women to be the driver in their own life for the life and stories of black women with drive. And I'm your host, Shirley McAlpine. I'm a business consultant, an executive coach, and a leadership facilitator working with people and organizations to live their lives by design and not default. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. And this episode is part two of the Leslie Williams episode. Because that interview that I did live at the Eaton Workshop Hotel that was um, put out on on Facebook Live um, that night was actually quite long. So I decided to split it into two episodes. So here we are with part two. Remember, Leslie is... um, was chosen as one of the Obama leaders, uh, the first cohort of the Obama African leaders. Um, She was also invited to facilitate a conversation called the Mandela Forum, which is is to kind of look at Mandela's legacy, where she um, interviewed and facilitated a conversation with um, Barack Obama, President Obama as well. And she is from Johannesburg, has over 19 years of experience in designing sis- ecosystems and networks, and she is CEO of Chimolagong Precinct at Wits University Initiative, which is um, all about the skills development for employability and entrepreneurship in the digital economy. She was in such an inspired. It was such an inspiring in conversation. So I'm excited about having you hear the other half of that um, interview. Um, But before we do that, before I hand you back over to our conversation with Leslie, I am going to share with you what's driving me this week. Now, each week, um, or every other week, I'm kind of sharing with you my next iteration of my self-care plan. Self-care is more than just Sunday. And so remember I added massage to my self-care and I feel like that's kind of now a practice I've now have it in my schedule and it's happening you know and I'm feeling the benefits of that so over the last week what I took on was my food and addressing what I'm eating and getting myself back into eating well and so now I'm following slow carb diet really, or approach to eating, I'd rather say, rather than diet. And it's come out of my husband reading the book, The Four Hour Body, the Tim Ferriss book, getting inspired by introducing something that's simple and that's um, doable and that is um, manageable (laughs) and that you can stay on track wherever you are because my traveling has really challenged me around my eating in in just that you don't always have food when you want it you don't always get the food that you really want to eat and if you're on the go in your in airports it is really hard to find good quality healthy options but this is something that I can do when I'm traveling this is something that I can do and I've been doing it for the last I'm at day five in truth it feels fine and it's already having an impact. So I'll keep you posted on that. So I'm gradually adding things in. If I try to do it all at once, remember, and this is a strategy, if you try and make change in an area of your life and do a number of things all at once, what's likely is going to go into overwhelm and then you're going to stop. So the, so the reason why I'm sharing this with you is 
I'm sharing with you how I'm introducing new practices in my life so that if you are someone who struggles to, to do that, you can see, oh, that's one way I can do it. You take an activity, you start to introduce it. When you feel like it's kind of getting ingrained and more embedded, usually around three week mark, then you bring in the next activity. So the massage is embedded six weeks, three times. I'm now gonna go to once a month, around once a month. And that's embedded now. I'm already feeling the effects. So now I'm addressing my food. I'll do that. And then I, in earnest, then I'll address my exercise. I think I'm going to start doing it before that. But in earnest, I'll address my exercise once I feel like I've established my pattern around my food and my practice around my food um, and seeing the effects of that. So that's what's been driving me this week. It is so necessary because I'm traveling literally every week right now and it is taking its toll. <laughs> and so um, the other thing that I am I need to focus on is sleep. So, but how you, you know, building new practices is you take one at a time and you keep entering it in, allow it to get ingrained and then move on to the next thing. So I'll keep you posted. That's what's been driving me this week. So let's pick up the interview with Leslie. And um, at the end of part one, we had just started talking about self-care and Leslie was sharing about the responsibility that um, people in her community and herself has to, when you're earning money, to look after the broader family in South Africa. And so the ability to earn enough money to take care of your needs and take care of your family's needs is part of what gives her peace of mind and 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 self-care and so that kind of started us expanding out into a, into a conversation of the impact that that responsibility has um outside of us let's hand over to leslie that commitment is so hidden like what you're speaking about. So when people are, were having conversations about entrepreneurship and stepping out and taking that, that what you know, the commitment to family is like a hidden commitment. Yeah. That's not even seen or acknowledged. Yeah. That so, can get in the way of, as you say, of people really taking this on. Totally. So when you look at some of these big awards, and I think in the social entrepreneurial space, be it like your Ashoka or Skoll or many of these large ones, you'll often see from Africa, like it's often like white females who are winning these awards, and I've been challenging that, that system for a while. Um, because often, people who are stepping out and taking this risk are supported by family money, or the fact that they had the time to save from their well-paying corporate jobs in order to, to take the risk. Right. Whereas even when many of us have had well-paying jobs, we couldn't save as much because we're supporting our families. Right. Or we can't save now, the heart for social change is there, and uh, we may volunteer or support um, other change agents that are un it's unseen because we need to be in our jobs. We can't be in the forefront. Right. It does not mean that as a black person, you're not giving a black female. And you may not have the title, the prestigious title of social entrepreneur, which, and it's sad that it's becoming prestigious. It, it should not be elitist. Does that, like we, we assume people aren't contributing. Yeah. It just looks differently or, or it's, like you say, it's, it's the forms of giving are hidden. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I wanted to kind of, so we kind of dipped into the family space with that. I'm curious about your 
like if you look at your success and how you've got to be where you are what are the lessons from your family that has helped you so plenty 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 <laughs> I think of various individuals so from my mom I learned how to be a good host so she basically had this principle that when you have a guest coming over and you say make yourself at home making yourself at home does not mean that your guest sits in the lounge isolated while you're in the kitchen in the kitchen cooking right bring your guests in have them chop up maybe not an onion but a carrot you yeah. know like involve them getting them get them to participate right. so i took that practice with me in terms of being a host and a, and a process facilitator from my grandparents that to be involved in society my grandfather had the assumption like grew us raised us with the assumption that we will be public speakers at some point we need to show you publicly so we would train at home to speak publicly wow um, we would also be challenged to think about where and how we contributing to the change within our community we would my grandmother would take us along to church bazaars to sell clothing that would then be donation money for um the community so that those principles of being involved in society being um being active being conscious and making your view heard i learned at home and then my brother because my brother is slightly older than me and he allowed me the space to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. by taking on the financial burden of supporting other family needs including my wow it's been a huge the contribution yeah so it's it's very 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 communal mm. and i think you know for me spending time i spend a, a lot of time in western worlds if you like and and i like it you know right. I, i i get a buzz there's a different side of me that flourishes in this world but i'm i often feel unnerved by the sense of individuality Mm. and loneliness isolation um i see a lot of broken people walking around and we also have brokenness at, at home right. but there's opportunities for healing at home because we we work in community, community. yeah mm-hmm. yeah you can see how that i don't know what to say about that we <laughs> just i'm um It's not judgment. <laughs> just no, no, just an assessment. Yeah, you just yeah. kind of like an view and assessment of kind of. Uh, so then, if I, if you kind of to build on the sources of your success and and the family and the support, why right here this the support? If you, you know, it's support that usually allows us to take on big challenges and so on. If you if you think about the challenges that you've taken on mm. in your, what what would you say has been the biggest? challenge. Oh. <laughs> Again, going back to youth and um, fast track into the future. So, um, I would say my mother pioneered divorce in my community, which was like really, Luckily, really never happened before. Like, she was one of the first explicitly divorced. It was very kind of community public and she was the first child, like my grandparents had 10 children and, you know, and they like very kind of church builders you know like very kind of public facing sort of family and uh, we were i was the offspring of a black sheep right. you know so that was right. painful it was challenging but at the same time my mother role models tipping out of the norm 
you know, standing mm -hmm. out, uh, doing what she needed to and what she felt was needed for her children right. to thrive. Right. So I think, you know, for me, in points of discomfort, even when I often go against the grain, and it's often painful, it's, it's painful having a different view and different voice right. from, from the whole. Mm -hmm. um, but that's also taught me to stand in the fire regardless of the consequences and potential isolation but mm. I stand up for something if I if I believe in it or if I don't believe in it I, I'll have my, my my view heard and um, it, it's often very lonely doing that going against the grain right. so I think like for me that is that is often very very challenging um, it finance is always challenging you know so like I said uh, post apartheid South Africa many of us do not have strong financial resources so when creating movements of change or wanting to take a risk on something that hasn't been tested in the market when you do not have the, so the, the capital mm -hmm. or even the, the social capital financial or social capital um, that can bring resources or broker financial deals for you it's, it's a higher risk Right. So, thank goodness, in my 20s, I sold my car and I used that money to move to the UK. It wasn't a fancy car, it was a little <laughs> Toyota Jazz. Um, I went from doing very cool projects with the first lady of the country, Mrs. Mbeki at the time, Sanil Mbeki, to waitressing in the UK. And I had this chuckle um, wow. when, you know, when someone treated me crap at some race course and I laughed at myself. I was like, three years ago you were dining with the first lady on a Saturday for brunch. What on earth are you doing right. here? Right. Um, but it was good for me to experience living in different worlds. Mm -hmm. And I think that brings for me both a sense of humility, but it, it's also taught me to be content regardless of, 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 of circumstances. Got your question, but I don't know, somehow I went Yeah, it was around. It was great. I, I'm, I'm happy to roll with it. I, the question was around the um, accomplished. Was it the biggest, biggest accomplished? I can't remember my question either. I imagine that. I got. I shall tell you where I got stuck. I got stuck on the first lady and working with the first lady. That's not emerged in our conversation. So I'm kind of curious about how did you get to work with her and, and why and. Okay, what did so, you like tell us more about? Sure. So maybe I should take a few steps back in my career. So um, I was initially part of a so a few so number one, I the the thread that runs throughout my career is that I I believe that everyone has the right to live their full potential regardless of the life that they were born into. Right. Whether you're from rural Namakwaland, which is somewhere in South Africa, to San Francisco, it's a human right. Mm -hmm. Finish, full stop. So all the work I do and I find myself in is to progress that mission. Okay. Um, a couple of months ago, I also found the mission statement that I wrote when I was 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I also have my mission statement I wrote when I was 22 years old. And, you know, again, it's a common grain around being myself regardless of the, the, the spaces and places I find myself in. What did you say at 12, though? What was this, how was it phrased at 12? Do you remember? Gosh, I have it on my Instagram account. I, I can look it up. Yeah, but, I'm um, curious. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there was the frivolous things like, I will have a car and a beach house. Of which, course. Um, I don't have a beach house. 
So if anyone wants to gift me that, I'm open. Do you have I've your learned, car? I've learned, yes, 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 I've had. Um, and I would be living with my cousin Bronwyn. I don't think either of us would want to live with each other now as much as we, we love each other. Um, I'm amazed that you still got your mission statement from 12 years old. I found it. There you go. So what did um, you say? Oh, sorry, it was when I was 10 years old. 10. 10. Mission. I mean, actually just writing a mission statement at 10 uh, is pretty this impressive. Is hilarious. In, in 10 years from now, I see myself, oh, the handwriting, I see myself as a successful fashion designer that makes about 48,000 rand a year. Thank goodness I own more because I would not survive on 48,000. I'll be living in a big double story. Um with four of the latest luxury cars. Wow. I will not be married yet, but living with my cousin Bronwyn. Every Christmas holiday, I will either go to my beach house in Port Elizabeth or fly overseas. <laughs> that is quite a vision for a 10-year-old. So I think, like, right? yeah. But I think, you know, for me, yeah. the lesson in the yeah. and being... I, call, I consider myself to be a pan-African globalist. Mm-hmm. You know, so even though I hadn't traveled far or anyway, or, you know, I, I couldn't imagine what I would have been doing with my life now, but the seed was somehow planted that I will be a world traveler, mm-hmm. ready by the age of 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. And that was also part of the intention I even set for myself when I was 14 years old and in a, in a time when we did not know what was for dinner, post-parents' divorce. Wow. You know, like really, really hard times. But I read often, I reflected often. And, you know, so there was always a sense of planting a vision, mm-hmm. like, and moving moving towards mm-hmm. it. That was instilled in me from a, from a young age. I also read, read a lot. So um, I would consume literature. So way before, many years before I actually started traveling, people assumed I traveled. I was just living in my head and living through books. Because <laughs> of what you talked about on, on your reading. That's amazing. I mean, um, the power of us visioning our life is what I hear and what you're, what you're speaking about. And sharing cannot be underestimated. Mm. And, that, and that's whether we're 10 years old or we're 50 years old, yeah. you know, or 40 years old or... The, our ability to to really see what our life could be and we want it to be, and then it uh, then we can start to take the action to kind of manifest and make it. Yeah, is what it is. Yeah, and, and I think you know this is something where all of us should and need to adopt. You know, so if mm-hmm. I look at at a lot of the messaging, I've been listening to a lot of speeches uh, from both Barack Obama and, and Nelson Mandela, and you know this message of hope. Yeah. This message of living according to your purpose or living based mm-hmm. on an ideal or set of principles you set right. to yourself. Imagine if all of us carried some form of essence, not necessarily uh, replicating what their ideals are for better world, but just like having it in our imagination. Mm-hmm. I do believe that at a global level, we can start shifting um, the current vibration of the world. Right, if we all so I want, You know, one of, for me, if, um, I stand in a place that everyone has it, they haven't, but they haven't always seen it, mm. you know, and that um, it's about being in environments or going through some journey to get access to what that is rather than it's not there. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like the essence is yeah. there, but can I see it? And if I saw it, 
I think once you see it, it's really compelling. Yeah. Um, and then can I trust what I'm seeing? So that if I can trust what I'm seeing, then I can step into it. And I think quite often we have clutter blurring our vision. Mm. You know, so I can't remember, I hope some family member doesn't crucify me if my grandfather ever said this to him, but it was a one-on-one dialogue. But um, he basically said something to, to the fact that if you want to keep someone in a pit, you have to be there yourself to keep them down there. Mm, oh, oh, yes. So you inviting wow. your own ability to grow yeah. and move on. And, you know, so I think, you know... Good, <laughs> the Shirley yeah, look. It was just like, that was good. <laughs> if, you're, if you want to keep someone in a pit, you, what do you, you have like, to keep yourself down there in order to keep... Say it to the keep way them... That, and I know, I'm not, you, I know but you said it more eloquently than yeah, I've tried so, to repre- repeat it, but I'm trying to... Get and it speaks it. to enemies, if you like. So if you have someone mm. you don't like who having an enemy, don't spend time to keep them, them down, to keep them to even take revenge, in order to push them or keep them in a pit, you too need to stay there to keep them away. Right, right. To inhibit their growth, you need to make sure that you're inhibiting them properly. Right. And you're, Which you're means you right, keep right, there. right. You keep yourself right in the pit. Exactly. That's good. That's good. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. nothing. That's so clear. <laughs> so I mean, if you focus on things that don't bring you joy or or revenge or you know, just it's sometimes a distraction around your own growth. So if you're looking at a at a vision. For yourself, or vision for your family, your vision for your community—it's quite aspirational. Yeah, it's forward-looking. So, like, what do you need to let go of, and like, what is the clutter, the points of destruction that's inhibiting right. your, your own growth? Right. To move towards that. Right. And you know, quite often, you know, revenge-seeking world, we forget that it's actually causing again self-harm. Yeah, being in, in that state of mind. Because when you're in this, I want to. It's one of the things that I love about when I'm working with people around their vision or when I'm thinking about my own. It's, it's just so enlivening, isn't it? It kind of brings you up and out, mm. and um, and that's what you that experience of when you're present to it is the thing that keeps you moving when mm. you are like. When life is challenging, when life is hard, when things are being thrown at you, when yeah. you're tired, when you're worn out, when you're la la la, whatever it is, um, or this thing that when you take risks, yeah. you know, and you're making choices, and you sometimes think, I don't know why I'm making this choice. It doesn't seem like a good idea, but I'm going with it anyway because it, it's the it's inside mm-hmm. of the vision for myself that it's having yeah. me make that choice, even though it doesn't seem like a really smart thing to do in the moment you know with all the uncertainty yes but it, the thing about in the space of uncertainty i mean i want to say this in the space of uncertainty comes real opportunities for breakthrough and possibility mm. How, and i and i don't want to be pollyanna about it because i also know that people live in uncertainty too yeah. you know um when you don't as you speak to when you don't know where the next meal's coming from that's a space of uncertainty too um, so it's not. It, you, I don't. I don't say it lightly, in terms sure. of that. But even from those places to see envision somewhere else, like a place like you can, a future that you can step into yeah. is is needed and powerful. Yeah, 
I mean, like I said earlier, my immediate family circumstances in my mother, brother, and I, we were probably we were at the rough end of the socioeconomic spectrum mm. when I was envisioning a different world. You know, but mm. I always also think like in those, even in those moments, you have choice. Yeah, I know it's Victor, very Victor Frankl, <laughs> and I do, do, do like is look it up if you if you don't know who Victor Frankl is, but um, we often make excuses um, for our inability to to grow. You know, we often think it's for other people, and we often seek external validation mm-hmm. in order to do that. It's very rare when someone's going to validate you, you and your thoughts. So it initially takes courage to step forward without validation, without affirmation. Mm-hmm. But in doing it, you, you gather supporters around you. And there is momentum right. in that moment, in, right. in the action. Right. Um, and I don't think it's a, for a privileged few out there, no matter how rough things are. I know too many amazing stories. We have a, an entrepreneur in our space. Love his work. Mpoh. And Paul couldn't afford to, to complete his studies as an engineer. He dropped out. He's from a rural community. And, uh, but he, he loves making things. He loves inventing. So he started making robots from electronic waste that he'd find in garbage and, um, and cardboard paper. Wow. Those are, he has robotic arms and all sorts of amazing inventions that work. Um, someone oh, then tagged me and a few others at my, at my work because they saw him selling his goods at the market. Now he's in our makerspace, he's thriving. We hire him and we pay him uh, when we're doing exhibitions and, and other things. But he's, he's contributing so much to the community. Right. So, you know, we brought him into support, like we've taught him 3D printing, but we have an exchange. And like I say, even in his most dire moment, he found a practical way right. to support himself yeah. and, and now as a community. Yeah. But he started, he didn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And That's I have amazing. tons of those stories. I'm mindful though, can I come back to First Lady? Because I realized that we got oh, off track. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes, and yes, then yes, I'm, yes. Because I love these stories, but I'm just like, hold on a minute, we, thought, we forgot about First Lady. What are we doing? So um, how, did you, we, sure. how did you get to work um, with her and... Um, sure. So, um, as, a, as a student, I, um, I was part of this international network called ISEC. Yeah. ISEC also is mm-hmm. a global network um, that deals with, with exchange. So, you can go off and work in another country and plow back into your, into your own neighborhood. And it and teaches um, sensitivity and consciousness around other cultures. So, I've always been part of building, a, either being in networks or building networks. And right. I've never had an actual... Uh, I've never actually really needed to look for work as a result of, of, of all of these networks. So I got headhunted out of... It's so good. So even <laughs> that, like just knowing that, if you're, if you're interested in, like to start getting yourself into powerful networks. Yeah. Or networks. Or even end. like as a student, right. you're passionate about something, start a club. Yeah. Like, and, and that that's, allows that's first. so it much. rolls over and your fellow students are either your future boss or your future employee your future business partner, like it's all relationship. Right. And so I got um, invited from ISEC to, you know, or to to join a business school in its startup phase. And now it's Gordon Institute of Business Science. And it's it's basically one of the, the leading business schools now in, in, in Africa. And um, the founder was also an ISEC alumni. Seven of us were ISEC alumni who worked at the, the business school from mm-hmm. 
ISEC, I was invited into Pioneers of Change, which was alumni. Right. Impact, many initial impact had founders are from ISEC as well. Mm -hmm. And the art of hosting community, many of us were, oh, were from ISEC. Okay. So again, that moment of, of building and, and sustaining networks. And working in ISEC at some point, I ended up ha having as my boss the former governor of the Reserve Bank. Uh, Jill Marcus ended up being my boss and she later went back into politics but in that season she was also inviting me to many of the events that she was she, was, she was going to mm -hmm. um, and in the time working at the business school and being still being involved in Isaac Pioneers of Change all of these networks I was then invited to join the uh, South African Women um, in Dialogue, the National Steering Committee but I was on, on the young side, young South African women, um, mm -hmm. yeah, women in dialogue. And we needed to put a national conference together inviting women from all walks of life across the, the country for a week-long conference. Mm -hmm. But being part of the steering committee, I got to every single week meet with these amazing dynamic women, including um, the First Lady, and we put together this awesome conference, and this was around... 2005, where I also inter interviewed her for an article that I wrote. Wow! <laughs> and every and I'm still in contact. In fact, I have a hello, Mrs. Simbeki. my phone. Don't steal my phone. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I have these amazing women in the amazing. country who created large impact on the continent who've become mothers to me, and they've mm. they've adopted me like a lot of political leaders. So. I am lucky that from a young, lucky because I've also put in the work. Yeah. Of showing yeah. intention and yeah. people met me there and took me to the next step. Right. I love there. what you're saying there because it, it's the intention and you said throwing intention then people met me there. So there's the luck or magic comes with intention and action. Yeah. It's not just, I just got lucky. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So it's intention and action and then the, the luck or ma I call it magic. The magic happens. Yeah. And that's fair. It shakes it yeah. to the next yeah. round. So yeah. even though I don't know fully what is my next step of my journey, I know which ingredients I want. And I know that in movement, there is this global community. I've mm -hmm. got this global village of people who want to support me. Right. I mean, even just like running into Martha yesterday, you know, like, I've, she didn't know, but I've been reflecting on some work we did together in, in London in 2007. In fact, really? an opportunity should I, that she invited me into then, like 2007, 2008. Right. Really. It's, it's more than a decade later. Yeah. You know, it comes yeah. full circle. Yeah. And, then and who then knows what she... this gathering could be. Exactly. Work. Exactly. You know, because it just so happens we're in, you're in... DC at the same time that we're in DC and Martha's yeah. not even she's like in from London and blah 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 like and it's just like we co yeah. come together and who knows yeah. who knows what this can be well I'm ready there's already a B yeah right and just here and there's so it's just like um, I'm just I'm conscious of the time because we've only got to another few minutes and one thing that um, I am asking there's a couple of questions that's like, that I'd like to ask you one thing I'm asking my guests is um around courage, around courageous moments, and that is, um, a belief that courage comes from an action that we take on behalf of ourselves or on behalf of others, and it's a heartfelt movement. And so I'm curious about 
you know, moments in your life where you might have taken an action that was really either on behalf of you or on behalf of others that's a really courageous moment for you. Sure, so I think I've done so much with fear, <laughs> you know, like out of fear, you know, so in, um, in two, early 2010, my buddies, I had a few friends who decided, who told me that they're going to write me off if I don't launch Impact Up. They were so tired of hearing about this thing. And I was just scared. More than, I didn't have the finances, but I was also just scared. Mm-hmm. And I think like what I learned in, in that moment, because I ended up launching it, but like fear is there, fear will remain. Fear is often by your side. But in acting with fear, mm-hmm. then your good friend courage also shows up to take the race with you. Right. So like acknowledge right. fear, hi fear, I see you fear, yes fear is there. Yeah. Acting anyway, and then courage shows up. Um, in the movement, in the moment. So I've had many of those instances. What was really tough for me was in um, 2015, we had crazy xenophobic attacks um, mm-hmm. in South Africa that kind of spread spread nationally. And um, I couldn't sleep. I was like praying about it, like just reflecting. And I just like, it just totally shook me. And so around like 3 a.m. I still could not speak. It basically came to me. Um, that I should put a Facebook post, you know. So I posted on, on Facebook, like, this is crazy. Um, I Something needs to be done. Who's with me? So I went, fell asleep, had a deep sleep, woke up the next morning, there were about 50 comments on my page. And yeah. uh, a bunch of us started chatting in a, in, a, in a group. But the next day, we decided to host a, a dialogue at, at Impact Hub, and about 100 people showed up. Um, the movement I Am Africa um, was born. Wow. And... By seeing so many people show up in my in the moment where I was supposed to step into step up and facilitate, I just couldn't. I just broke down crying and, and I was just inconsolable. So somebody who I had just met um, stepped forward and decided to uh, to host the evening or, or host the, the dialogue and went into the action groups. But over the next few months, corporates brought finance. We had no entity to host this, you know, impact out was holding mm-hmm. it, but um, people showed up with all sorts of of gifts and, and, and wanted to be involved in some way. We started running national dialogues um, around xenophobia for corporates and universities, training people basic skills on how to those dialogues. But all of that was in fear and uncertainty. There was fear around the lives of those affected. Right. You know, just going into some of those, those camps and seeing the, the conditions people were living in, knowing that, feeling like I have nothing to offer. Right. Um, but I think people just feeling heard brought something and in that moment it I needed to act because it wasn't about me I don't think it was an act of courage but there, I had no choice to get involved and a lot kind of showed up you know mm. so it wasn't about courage it wasn't about all of these things but it, it's about acting anyway even if you not 100% clear about what right. like even if there will be a solution that, that emerges from this. Yeah, you do it just feel like there was a, the action was the thing that was the driver. Yeah. Act, do something. Yeah, and, 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 and I remember just a bunch of, um, at, at some point, families were, were being split. Someone's mother got pulled into a police van while the kid was being pulled, you know, somewhere else. And I don't know what happened on the other side of that, but there was this moment, and I, I was super annoyed that week because I needed to play the role of secretary and be at the, at the hub mm-hmm. instead of being on the field 
um, with people, but that role was, was, was needed. And I had um, change agents just who were in the field would just come to Impact Hub and just sit on the floor and cry. They just needed a space to yeah, be. And they weren't yeah. members at the time, but for them it was the a convenient space, a safe space. For them to just kind of express their shit. Yeah, and it's just like kind of like being present. And, yes. and I didn't have to be a Joan of Arc in that moment. I just needed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Um, so my last, let's move into my last question. And that is, you know, as you look back at your life so far and you think about the some key life lessons, that you would tell your 10-year-old self who wrote that mission statement? What are the things that you would tell her? If you had to say three things you'd tell her, what would it be? I think, and then like this principle of being authentic, being your true self, is rewarding. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so even in your points of vulnerability, show up in your authentic self. It right. may not match another person's look of success but that is your unique unique contribution right and in my case it paid off you know so the fact that even though in my one of my worst points of vulnerability around failing Mm -hmm. it ended up being a a gift to the community and i end up like being on covers of magazines (laughs) you know like like profiled you know so it it ended up being like rewarding like it wasn't the intent at the time so so being your authentic self um is key i think you know this whole thing about uh acting in fear Mm. or fear is your companion acting despite fear rather yeah act despite fear um, I want to say something around voice, you know, so I would say find a way that's comfortable to you to have your voice heard. Mm. You know, and, and not everybody is courageous speaking up at a big public platform. Right. You know? Maybe it's writing, maybe it's lobbying. Mm-hmm. There are various ways experiment, but like Make sure that your voice is part of the conversation. Right. And find a way to yeah. to include that. So be authentic, act despite fear. Add your voice to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Fabulous. So is there anything else that you want to just like share with us before we close it down? Sure. Martha put something on a post. Love you, Martha. <laughs> so I am one of a uh, 200 participants in the inaugural class of the Obama um, Leaders Program mm-hmm. um, Africa and 35 of us across the continent from 15 countries across the African continent have mm-hmm. put out a poetry book oh wow yes so huh. you can you can download it. it's on my Instagram page on my personal Facebook page my personal Facebook page is Lazy Donna Williams uh-huh. on my Instagram LazyDW and you can find the link there to down to download it it's called a better world hope better. from africa ah oh, fantastic i didn't know that yes. no lovely thank you for telling me that thank you so sure. uh, i tell you what i'll put and, the link when uh, i sorry. when i post this on the episode on the podcast as well i'll put the link in the show yes, notes i mean basically writing yeah, nice. our, our vision for a better world. oh that's amazing okay here we go okay. a place for us all by leslie donna williams
just one stretch, an extended arm seeking rest. It grips an unsteady rock, afraid to come tumbling down, insecure about needing to descend. Success is the vision, foresight the mission. I frown as I propel myself up. Alas, I have arrived. This ledge feels sturdy, only to discover a confident dancer, tap, tap, tapping away at the edge. I may lose balance, I scream out toward her, not anticipating the state. She turns her face away from me, whispering painfully, who gave you permission to rise? My self-doubt creeps in. I look deep within, logically knowing that this is public space. How can I erase the anxiety raised in questioning my own belonging? There is a place for us all if we share just a small piece of land. The rays of sunshine burgled my room, stealing the night away. I grabbed my smartphone before it let out a tone, screaming across various time zones. You see, while my work is local, it hinges on global. I'm transported into a virtual meeting presenting the best of the best. While technology excites crossing mental borders with delight. But physical borders and security mobsters tell me that my global village is a really big lie. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the most talented of us all? Exclusion assists, fake genius to persist, with several excluded from writing the test. Yet, manifesting the full potential of all is mutually beneficial, creating a place for us all. So that was a better world hope from Africa yes. compilation. And it was the very first time I uh, recited this. <laughs> really? Yeah. Here on there. Well, it's oh, been great. Nice. We're now at time. We have to kind of we have to exit stage left. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being a guest. Thank you so much for your sharing. I'm excited about. I don't know where this relationship, this connection, will go, and but I feel like very privileged to have spent this time with you I really do and um, so thank you so much thank you that's lovely yeah. <laughs> thanks Martha I hope that you've been inspired to shift gears in your own life what an interview what an interview and a poem at the end to boot I've, I want to thank Martha for making the connection between me and Leslie and for our time together at the Eton um, workshop as well you you heard you know what I didn't say of course is that you also heard Martha in the interview as well at times and just it was just a fantastic 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 um, evening together a couple of hours together and then we went on to listen to some jazz actually up on the rooftop um, bar and have some food and it was just that the evening continued it was just fantastic absolutely fantastic so lots of um food for thought in in our conversations and quite broadly um as well if you i'm just curious to hear what your what you got from this episode I am, you know, whenever I'm at the Eton, I might go Eton live again, <laughs> you know, because it was such a cool experience. I might go live on Facebook with an interview, see if I can pull that together in my schedule. And 
if you love the show, if you're enjoying the show, please do two things for me. First thing, share the show with as many people as you know who would benefit from the show, who would love the show. Second thing is rate and review the show on iTunes and, um, and you know, let me know, let everyone know what you're getting from the show and what you experience from the show. And the third thing, there's a third thing, actually, subscribe, because subscribe as well to make sure that you get the new, sh- new episodes coming into your inbox. I have loved, loved, loved this episode. I appreciate you all for listening. And a big shout out to the people who, so now I'm bumping into people who are listeners of the show. And in fact, actually... At Eton, when we were trying to figure it out, um, like the organize the interview, I met one of my listeners, and um, I love that when people come up to me and say they're listeners of the show. I appreciate it so much, it, it, you know, and that when you share what you're getting, and it's what I intend, it moves me no end. So please, please, please keep sharing the show keep listening to the show and if you need to get in contact if you want to get in contact with me you can contact me on my instagram you can dm me there at shirley mcalpine um or you can get me through my website shirleymcalpine.com go to the contact contact me page and you can find me there thank you so much for listening oh she's got drivers produced by cassandra voltolina the music is by the awesome or female band blonde the song is called circles Thank you so much for listening. Go well and stay well.